0: If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the Wanna Practice app at wannapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice. Success in certification is in your hands. And welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of Infosec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliseau. And I'm Matt Snotty.
1: And I'm Rafael Fiedler.
0: And gentlemen, it's time once again for another Current Events episode. But before we launch into it, we have the most important current event, the fact that someone gave us money.
2: Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I want to give a big, big shout out to Paul and Casey Kinder, Um, huge loyal followers for a very, very long time, Uh, great friends of the show, sent some very nice feedback, but most importantly, put their money where their mouth is. Feedback's nice, (laughs) cash is better. Um, and, and, and Paul actually made a recommendation for an upcoming episode that I think we may, uh, follow through on. So thank you, Paul. Thank you, Casey. Uh, we all really appreciate that. We're much, much closer to our goal to buying a hot air balloon and having Rofty come over here
2: to the U.S. <laughs> How much, that, surely that can't be that much, right? Uh, no, I mean, come on. It's a balloon. We've had <laughs> those since it's
0: 1784, was it? Yeah, I think I he's
2: got to go the other direction. He's got to go around the like China and Japan I don't care. The prevailing. I don't ca- I'm not
0: getting in it. I don't <laughs> care how long it takes.
2: <laughs> but yeah, Paul, uh, thanks so much. Uh, and Paul had sent me a message separately of uh, uh, after we, we had done. Oh, the. Oh,
0: uh... Oh, Paul's playing favorites. Is he?
2: No. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. Paul would never do that. Paul is an awesome person. He is he's the salt of the earth. He would never okay. play favorites. But he did send me a message uh, in particular after the, uh, um, what was the, uh, oh, the burnout episode. That's what it was uh, regarding that and and how how thankful he was that we had released that one. So, yep. Thanks, Paul.
0: Thank you. Thank you again. All sincerity. That's, that's very cool. Um, all right. So now for the current events, I want to launch with one right away. Uh, I know you all have uh, topics you want to get to, but I love this one. This one was a July 4th decision, which is, which is great. It makes it all the much better. A federal judge in one of the finest states of the union, Louisiana, bitch slapped the executive branch of the federal government and told them that they can no longer connive with online platforms to censor individual Americans, Americans as groups or voices they just don't like. Um- this was the result of a lawsuit of uh, both Missouri and Louisiana's attorneys General uh, suing Joe Biden, the White House, the executive branch at all, and telling them to knock it off. Uh, and the interesting thing to me is not only was that the courts finally agreed that um, the federal government should not be censoring voices, um, but the volume and frequency that became apparent In the court discussion, I I had known that these programs existed for a while. We talked about them on the show and we talked about how, you know, if, if the federal government wants to try to persuade, blah, blah, blah. The White House was having weekly, I'm sorry, the FBI was having weekly meetings. With social media entities telling them specific individuals, they did not like, and should turn off um this went way beyond any presumption of uh um uh, inimical or uh uh impending danger to national security it wasn't it wasn't as if oh there's a bomb in the house we have to turn off all the twitter no this was just voices they didn't like and for whatever reason completely arbitrary and ambiguous and even at some points when the social media companies were pushing back and saying, well, we don't really see any violations of our terms of service. The FBI was saying, we don't care. Turn them on.
1: Um, Okay. comply. This is my first question. Like did the social media companies comply then as well? Or did they just, because
2: like largely they did largely. They did. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember us talking about this topic a while back. So uh, Louisiana, Missouri, you said, so, were there people being censored in those states that were being censored? And there were people on around
0: behalf? the world being censored. We're okay. talking tens of thousands of yeah. voices being stifled.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get that. There's a lot of a lot of people that were being censored by the social media companies at the request of no. the federal government?
0: I would say they're being censored by the federal government. Social media companies can't censor because they're not a legal entity. They're a private company and they can do whatever they want.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, but the point being, was this on behalf of any certain individuals that resided in those states or why was it just these two states? I, that, that's the part I'm not understanding. Because the why attorneys
0: was... general of the rest of the United States are are falling down on the job.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's all I was wanting. Um, so... All right. I I was unclear as to (laughs) if there was some specific trigger by these uh, uh, states, but uh, it's just they were they were doing their job, according to you. Correct. Correct. Okay.
1: And to also surf like because you you breezed over that. And I think, as you said, we talked about similar things in the past. So uh, we agree, I think, that if the company themselves would have decided we don't want those voices, you would be okay with it.
0: Oh, of course. But yeah. it's the right government now, telling
1: them, right now, giving Rofty, them a list.
0: Right now, yeah. Rafty, I can kick you off this podcast if absolutely. I choose
1: to. No, it's absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and that's not censorship, <laughs> and that's not draconian. That's just me being an asshole. And I still have a right to be an asshole. If you want a private community online, you can have a private community online. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if the feds came to me and they said, that fuzzy little foreigner, Rafty, we we don't we don't like him we don't like his kind we don't want austrians influencing americans to be more secure we want to stifle his voice i'm allowed to say to the federal government go fuck yourself or get a warrant you know i can do that too however what's the issue there you know what might persuade me to follow the government's dictates
1: yeah, they can always find dirt on you. Like, correct. Basically, everything. And like, if they like watch you park every single day for the rest of your life, they can be like, if they cannot find dirt in the past, they can make your life hell in the future.
0: And they have infinite resources to do so. Yeah. And and what they were actually doing is they spent eighty million dollars bribing social media companies to comply as well so they use taxpayers own dollars to shut taxpayers voices down
1: and to be clear this is not allegedly this is already oh, like. no.
0: oh no we're way past the rumor and innuendo point that was that was the first attempt at the whitewashing of this situation uh we're way past this is actual in court documents admitted fact
1: yeah cool yeah okay interesting uh, not cool but like cool, cool <laughs> that it's not allegedly anymore I, I i guess this is always the case when people talk about this it's like oh we heard and it's reported allegedly you know
0: yeah two and a half years ago it was being called a conspiracy theory and yeah, anyone no, i know i can imagine who complained about it was was being dismissed as a kook or a crank um How much no, money? Is 80 million dollars now if the federal government comes to me and says, "Shut Rofty down," we'll give you two dollars and seventeen cents. You're going to have to find a new podcast.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: my, my my price threshold for bribery is very low. <laughs> if Paul Kinder wants me to kick you off the podcast, you're gone, baby. Sorry.
2: Ooh, do we want oh, to get like Paul this? that much that much uh, that much uh, uh, authority? <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. I'm cheap. Um, but it's nice. It's nice that the Constitution's finally being upheld, that the First Amendment still does have some power, even though it's limping along. And I like that it came down on Independence Day. That that really, I appreciate that. So that's my first current event. Uh, Matt, you had one.
2: I had several of them. Uh, do you want to talk about the, um, the Titanic? Um, sure. Uh,
0: uh, sure. Submersi- Physi- submersible. Physical security. Yeah. Physical security. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, and how how being a billionaire doesn't really buy you much when you're going uh, three miles down into the ocean to go look at uh, uh, a sunken ship. Nature does not care about your bank balance. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. You cannot bribe your way out of nature. Oh, uh, that, um, the, the Titan submersible story that's been going around, um, wasn't a big story when it first, uh, happened and they were just missing. But now that, um, the conclusion to that whole saga has been reached, uh, it's become quite a topic in my household. I don't know, don't know about you guys or, or for our listeners, but give us um, a
0: quick thumbnail.
2: Yeah. So, uh, apparently... Uh, this guy, Stockton Rush, he started this company where he made uh, submersibles that were designed to go down to the Titanic, basically tourism, down to the bottom of the ocean. And this is deep, deep. You know, this is this is beyond where, like, uh, American and Russian uh, submarines go to. This is, this is way deeper than, than all that goes all the way down to the Titanic. And if you have a quarter of a million dollars, give or take, you can buy a, a ticket on one of his subs, or you used to be able to, I don't think that they're going to be around much longer after all the lawsuits kick in. But, um, yeah, he would put you on a sub that, that his company designed and built and the sub would take you down there. Uh, you'd look around for a few hours and then you come back up. It was about an eight hour excursion from top to bottom uh, on top of the several days it took to get the, the mothership out over the Titanic and all that kind of stuff. So it was a uh, uh, very expensive uh, form of tourism. Well, it turns out that the sub that he was uh, using was um, uh, not the greatest and apparently some corners were cut and in particular they've been focusing on the fact that it was made with carbon fiber which i've worked with carbon fiber if you've ever worked with carbon fiber you know it's very strong uh in some directions it's not that strong in other directions in other words you wouldn't want a can of tomato soup necessarily made out of carbon fiber there's a reason you want it made out of steel or tin or aluminum or something like that because it it's very brittle and it's uh uh, it's not very strong, um, on those, those types of compression forces at those, those depths. So the sub had, the sub had gone several, um, I think several dozen trips down to the Titanic taking, uh, multi millionaires and billionaires down to the, to the Titanic. But this last one, uh, something happened and the sub imploded the, the pressure from the water, uh, got to it and, uh, caused the deaths of all five people that were on board.
0: Now, now that's a tragedy, uh, first and foremost. Um, I have seen quotes. Again, I I don't know much about this. I don't know the details. sounds like you know a lot more. I I heard a quote being attributed to the owner of the company, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember it exactly, but he said, after a certain point, all the safety mechanisms, they're just superfluous, so you don't really need to put them on.
2: Yep. Yep. In other words, he was looking at safety as red tape as stuff that was being imposed on him by outside forces. Other people in this submariner uh, community were saying, no, you need to do this stuff because it's safer. And he was like, no, we're, we're innovating here. We are um, at the, 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 the tip of the spear in terms of uh, uh, this new age of, of tourism to the bottom of the ocean and stuff like that. So, yeah, a lot of corners got cut and this is the uh, consequence of cutting corners when it comes to health and human safety
0: physics is a bitch i mean <laughs> you know you, now, now i will say we we've all seen regulations that are silly we we can all point to those things we know when you go overboard on on creating a standard or a mandate that maybe made sense 30 years ago when the technology was in one form on the other hand when you're dealing when you're dealing with crush depth i mean I I I would always err on the side of more caution yeah maybe that's me I I I, and and realistically I I don't know anything about this business model but I would imagine that at the prices you're going to charge you can afford the best engineers you can afford the best materials Mm -hmm. and and why not add more security on top of security on top of why not have redundancies for everything
2: yep exactly yeah and uh, the the clientele for these types of of journeys i think would probably be comfortable at even higher prices especially if that meant that that was going to be a more safe journey so in other words you know they were advertising quarter million okay how big of a deal is it to go up to half a million
0: exactly or 300 grand you know 50,000 more once you're willing to write that check yeah, you, you don't have to add another zero but you can stay within that six figure range and still get a pretty healthy you know escalation yep. right
2: yep yep Rofty, did, did any of this news make it over to to Austria yeah, did you absolutely a, okay absolutely. You been following absolutely.
1: it at all not very much not very much because
2: okay. it's pretty big news over here uh, but I guess it's yeah, mostly yeah. because it's it's uh, an American company and it was it was uh, I think that the sub was or at least the mothership was launched out of Canada so it's all north American based. Um yeah
1: but, but it was um, like the search effort was i think bigger it was not yeah. just the us and uh canada right. I do
0: have a little trouble with that with the with the response um okay i i did hear that you know uh, we deployed navy and coast guard units to go help with the search and recovery i don't know why <laughs>
2: Well, I think that the argument could be made that, well, even, well, it, 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 it's an extended training exercise. You, in other words, you, you already That's have all these people. It. I
0: mean, you've got the assets, you've got to use yeah. them at some point, and this yeah. is a real world situation you can use it for. I get that. Right. Okay.
2: But I don't okay. think that they were deploying any assets down to the floor. Definitely no manned assets were going down to the ocean floor to, to try to do any kind of rescue. It was the, uh, as I understood it, most of the Navy, the Navy, especially, uh, most of their involvement was in the basically kind of a forensic analysis of the hydrophones that are already in the, the ocean. The SOSIS line.
0: Now yeah. I think from what I understand also, and, and I, I have trouble, uh discerning fact from fiction here my understanding is the navy knew about it two days before the news did yes because the sosis line picked up the sound of the implosion as it does along with whale farts and you know any (laughs) other any other submarine activity um so that I understand but I I do I did hear that units were being deployed to the area more than just the interpretation of the data
2: Okay. Uh, had you heard of that? Um, I don't think so. But I, I would imagine if there were units out there, it was probably more in a support role because I don't think that they. I mean, I don't think that the Navy has anything that's. I think really it was the young. Coast Guard. Okay, I think it was Coast the Coast Guard.
0: Guard search and rescue, and I think they were looking for surface debris, as you okay. do, yeah. um, you know, and, and human remains, as you do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I have trouble with a lot of these deployments in response to personal or private endeavors i I remember yeah i remember when the u.s navy was deployed to go find the wreckage of jfk jr's plane
2: (laughs) (laughs) right 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 yeah using taxpayer funded assets to to go after or something that that they did on their own private time and with their own private money so
0: correct yeah there's
2: there's definitely an argument to be made there um and I don't know that I want to make that argument, especially with you, because you're going to be right no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> or at
0: least I think I will. Or I could kick you off the show because we've already established I have that power. <laughs> right. Right. I, do, I, I do like the training aspect. You're right. Mm. We need. To, it's like having Civil Air Patrol. I mean, that is a thing. Um, uh, we do do that for any downed aircraft. Um, and, and that's useful. You got to keep those people in the game, and it's better than just a fake exercise, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the other news, and I don't know, Rafti, if you've seen it during that same week, a boatload of refugees
1: in uh, foundered
0: in the Mediterranean.
1: Yeah. Yep. And,
0: and how many hundreds of people were on board? And there were actual governmental efforts to stifle rescue and response. Yep. Um, which is directly contrary to how the submersible was treated so to me if we're going to say that health and human safety is paramount that's got to mean that everybody's health and human safety is (laughs) of equal value and deserves equal efforts you know what i'm saying
1: yeah. yeah, there I have I have three questions. Um, the first one I almost forgot, so I started with it. But the 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 point you are currently making, I think this would be the third one, so we can pick up there later. What line is it, and is it common knowledge? Like I don't know what this stands for.
0: S O S U S. Tom Clancy featured it. That's how I knew about it. Tom Clancy featured it in a few of his books, and it's a real thing. There's a bunch of um. Uh, bottom of the ocean floor sensors strung out yeah. along across the globe, and what the line is supposed—they listen. They're acoustic, um, yeah. and the uh, what they do—they're mic- Yeah, they're giant microphones, and um, they listen for all submarine activity. And uh, and from what I understand, they can also uh, grasp some surface noise too. So basically, the U.S. is tracking the motion of uh, all large craft. Across yeah. the globe in all the seas. Yeah. right? And then in, in
2: particular, they were, during the Cold War, they were looking for uh, submarine vessels that were actively trying to evade detection. In other words, yeah. Russian missile submarines and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, which is part of why you have so much technology put into subs nowadays to make them quiet so they can't be picked up by these, these types of
1: technologies.
0: The Red October. Yeah. Krasnyakiab. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> right, um, passive sonar, a, pa- a passive sonar network um on the ocean floor then no, uh,
0: not sonar uh strictly acoustics uh so they weren't active sonar requires you to to that's why i said active.
1: passive passive yeah. as far as i can tell smarter every day did a video on um nuclear submarines and they talked about they only use passive sonar anyway these days so whatever um, because there's already so much noise in the in the ocean, as far as I can tell, that they don't need to send out anything active anymore. They just have to listen, and they can detect even rock formations and stuff like that as well.
0: Because you just um, find where everything's
1: bouncing off of, yes. Exactly, exactly. And I think that... I, I forgot the second one. The third one was, um, in regards, and I have been thinking about this as well, like as you said, like with the boats and with all the people in the Mediterranean, um doesn't and and maybe it's a it's a related question but um from the americans i know in their passport it says that the us military will come and rescue the the holder of the passport i think on the last page or something like that you you can look you don't know this okay well see i'm going to i'm going to check my pa-
0: <laughs> the only passport i ever had that even hinted at something like that is when i had an official government passport it it did say i was an agent of the us and and don't fuck with me. But um, I don't think I, I don't remember that from a civilian passport.
1: And I know, no. And I know of people, civilian people who moved into a different country, but kept their U S citizenship. And as far as I can tell, like at one point, I, and you know, we talked about this. I have no clue what part of the DOD it was, uh, you but carry
0: on. I'll go get my passport. And- but, <laughs> but
1: they came and they measured out a football field near where they were staying to look uh, into if a helicopter could land there or not. So in in case they would have to do in military exercise uh, and yeah. Where where was this? Um Africa. They moved to oh. Africa. And
2: this was American and citizens that moved to Africa. American
1: citizens moved to Africa and the, and the military, military showed up wanted to make sure that they had a some branch of the mil- they they they, they I have I had they my know my expired
0: passports.
1: Let me <laughs> take one of those. Um, how big? Because from the satellite footage, apparently they were not sure. They th- they knew where to needed to go, but they wanted to make sure that it's still there and that it's big enough for, um, for uh, them to arrive. Well, last last
0: page is blank.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: back, back cover is
1: blank. Okay, so nobody's coming to rescue you, Ben. I see. No, no, no. <laughs> no, this has not been too long ago, you know, but.
0: Um, it says, uh, the Secretary of State of the United States of America, hereby requests all whom it may concern in permit be, uh, uh, to permit the citizen or national of the United States named herein to, damn it, the stamp covered it up, so I can't read the <laughs> whole thing, without delay or hindrance and all lawful, blah, blah, blah. Basically, just says, yeah, let the person go. Um, but I don't know where it says the military is going to come rescue you. this is
1: I, this is a story i mean i okay. i heard this is an infer like i heard it from the people who moved there it's not something i've been told um and they they now live in austria i mean they, huh. uh, well <laughs> i've learned about it again
2: I, well i wonder if they had some other agenda for going where they were going in other words maybe they were assets of a three-letter agency of the United States (laughs) when they were,
1: okay, well, you know,
2: that's, uh, that's the only real reason I could think of of that. And like Ben said, you know, when he he was in the military, you know, you would have uh, some language, I would imagine on on something like that.
1: And then now retired in Austria, you're saying? I, yeah. (laughs) Retired
0: is a funny word, Rafi.
2: (laughs) Inactive is probably a more accurate
1: term. (laughs) Who knows? Okay, well. um, No,
0: that's not a thing. And and as a matter of fact, the the State Department issues travel advisories basically saying if you go to this location,
2: you're Don't expect own. any help. You're 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 on your own, Sparky. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it's interesting that, that Austrian
1: Austrian. Yeah,
2: it's interesting that Austrians uh, live under this myth that Americans can travel anywhere and expect to have a military uh, chopper come <laughs> come zoom in and rescue them if they if they so need it. <laughs> yeah, <but you> know, <laughs> I, I have been in some shitholes, and I tell you, I, I've actually
0: reached out to the embassy to help every single time. You know what the embassy has said? go to our website I, I shit you not but we talked yeah, about this no.
1: in the past as well that in austria like as far as i can tell like mcdonald's uh, i think i told you this in the past like is required they, they act
0: as a as a field office yeah. of the auxiliary yeah. we, i'd like to find that out and i'd, I'd like <laughs> we want to have that guy on the show but no is as, as far as i can tell unless you are a gajillionaire or someone famous that no one's coming to get you i mean mm-hmm. No, no.
1: Okay. No, all yeah. is well. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> just what I heard and stuff that I, okay. I thought of.
0: All right. Um, do you have a current event, Rafty, that you wanted to get into?
1: I don't know. I mean, um, the because we talked about the FTC in the past, you know. Oh, good. Um, That's the next one
0: I wanted to talk about. Excellent. That, Go
1: for it. That they lost their, their court battle. Yes, they did. <laughs> so Microsoft is now allowed to buy, like, basically, they still have a couple of hurdles, but Microsoft is uh, to buy Activision Blizzard King. Um, yep. <laughs> that's the, just stuff in my realm, which I heard. <laughs> that is
0: absolutely correct. It was um, case number 23CV02880JSC. And, um, yes, uh, uh, Microsoft is now going to be a monopoly. There will be no other game manufacturers in existence, right? Because Activision just, they made all the games, right? <laughs> no. Wait, no, what? But have Wait, you why to why how would much- the FTC try to prevent it if if it wasn't going to result in monopoly?
1: Because they already bought a couple big studios in the past, and they're okay, looking so to now buy- they have all
0: three. There's there's no more than three game manufacturers,
1: <laughs> but very big ones in the past as well.
0: Oh oh, and to this day, there's no new games ever coming out. Is that is that it? Except owned by Microsoft.
1: No, that's uh, I I so I understand and I agree. Um, You know, I recently admitted to somebody that what my actual hope is uh, that now maybe Sony will be like more open with their games as well, because Sony famously has much more first party titles, which they don't uh, port to Xbox or to PC or like nintendo but
0: (laughs) so (laughs) you have a a
1: whole different thing Hmm?
0: let's thumbnail this for the non-gamers non-nerds in the audience basically my father let's explain the situation here um microsoft is a an it company uh famously making software windows and the office suite uh they expanded into the game realm with their own platform the xbox or xbone eventually
1: and uh they, they Earlier than that, because they developed DirectX. This is the reason why it's called the Xbox. And DirectX on Windows has been a thing. Whatever for a they, they they're,
0: they're now okay. in the game realm. The other yeah. players and the other big players in the game realm include Sony, maker of the PlayStation, and Nintendo, and, and Nintendo, uh, the makers of the Switch. And what's the other platform
1: they got? This is the main one currently, Six, but the Game Boy, of course, as well in the past. And, okay. and they have brands like Mario is Nintendo, okay. Zelda is Nintendo. So these
0: are the these are the Pokemon. three big players in terms of hardware. Now, in terms of the games themselves, there are both in-house game making where titles are made by Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, and there's also a bunch of uh, licensed game manufacturers, where an independent game maker can make a game, license it to Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft, so that that title can be played on that platform. And the game maker then splits the proceeds of the sale with the platform and with their own revenue, right? Yep. And, and some games are even
2: developed between a platform. Well.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 platform. Yeah. Yeah. Platform. Yeah. 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 By design, right? That that yeah. was the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead, Rocky. Yeah.
1: I just say, that it's like with, in the music industry, you have an artist, that would be the game studio, but you have a publisher as well. So stuff like Activision Blizzard King, it's a publisher. They have multiple studios below them which are making different games. Um, and um, so just to bring this in, and then you just have- Just to course, torture that
0: analogy, it's like the record label. There's exactly. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and and so Activision Blizzard King is an, is a record label. It's a publisher. Right
0: correct they correct. own the among IP other, for a among lot other of... things yeah. among other things and there are also independent game makers that aren't yeah. signed to a label. there's yeah. there's famously indie entities and one of the other current events we're going to talk about in a moment uh, Steam is a release platform, a digital release platform famous for promoting independent game makers. So there's all these different families at play right now. The big issue about Microsoft buying Activision, the question would be, would Activision's main titles, including Call of Duty, which is a first-person shooter, would it become an x exclusive? And therefore, Sony would not have the right, and Sony owners, PlayStation owners, would not have a right to play that game. And would that fragment the game market? And therefore, would consumers be harmed because if I own a PlayStation, which I do, would I not be able to play Call of Duty unless I bought an x that's that's the ftc's argument right that's where we're at
1: yeah and the reason why call of duty is so important is because it makes so much money do you have the figures on the top of your head? i don't i don't i think it's i I, I don't like i don't like
0: call of duty honestly i think it's it's a terrible property but it does make a a ton of money yeah
1: it does i've i've never like i've played it uh, not uh, for the last couple of years but in the past i did and i think it makes like really like a lot of millions each year you know
0: but we're talking billions and and exactly realistically it was in playstation it was in the late 90s when the game industry surpassed hollywood in terms of overall revenue. So even compared to movie making, gaming is far advanced in terms of actual dollars. Um and now we're we're way past the trillion dollar mark. It it is a huge worldwide industry. Yeah. With that said, with that said, would you feel like your human rights were violated if you were never allowed to play an Activision title ever again? i mean really really this is some first world problems right (laughs) absolutely i mean holy crap this is what our our federal government is investing time money effort and energy doing i i I just find the whole thing so absurdly sadly tragically comedic that it's it's ridiculous there was an actual federal judge who had to listen to this crap (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know how long I have been waiting to play The Last of Us or like uh, Horizon, like Sir Dawn is, is out on PC now, but like the Forbidden West, this will take years to come to PC.
0: Oh, that's, that's another five. thing I forgot to mention. There's a whole other to... separate shadow market for PC gamers, right?
1: Shadow market for PC gamers?
0: PC is kind of treated differently than the platforms. It's a different licensing mechanism. It's a different... Uh, creation
1: mechanism this I don't know but, the distribution okay. but what I'm saying are is different. yes
0: yeah. yeah so it so what you're saying is like a title like the last of us is not ported to PC is that what you're saying
1: it, it has been fairly recently um, with a lot of bugs and stuff like that but no it's a PlayStation exclusive or has been for the longest time and um i still even though the, the second one came out and then this series came out i was never bothered to sort of like um get that game uh, or get a playstation to play that game
0: yeah and i haven't bought the disney channel so i can watch the mandalorian i still don't feel like i'm being oppressed
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you're right. Like, Did the FTC get involved with Disney play, uh, like buying Lucasfilm? Wasn't this like, isn't Before Disney Marvel. getting a monopoly? Yeah, isn't, isn't Disney a monopoly now in the media industry as well? What it is happening there?
0: It can't be a monopoly <laughs> if I can take out a crayon and some paper and make a comic book. It literally cannot be a monopoly. There, see, the whole concept is just so bizarre to me. Especially when it's intellectual property. If you wanted it to buy them good. all and hoard them and not produce it, w- could Disney put them all in a vault and not sell them if it chose to?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It did with Song of the
2: South. <laughs> yeah. And there was some other movie that just came out recently that was a big hullabaloo about it because it was only on streaming for 46 days or something like that. And then they pulled it from streaming and there is no physical way to get the movie. I think it was a Disney movie. I don't remember the name of it. All I remember is seeing the, uh, the blurbs about it. It was something that was released only to streaming. It was doing horribly. They pulled it, and there is no other way to get this this show now because you, they're, 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 you can't buy a DVD of it. You can't stream it on any other platform all day and that type of
0: stuff. Why did they pull it? Because it was crap or what?
2: Because uh, I, I think if I remember right, it just was not doing well. Uh, so, you know, they track all the numbers of this stuff and yeah they just i guess it was bandwidth or server storage space that they thought could be better better monetized so they pulled it
0: that see now that's bizarre to me i I can understand not producing a title even on dvd or vhs because there's some physical cost involved with producing and distributing it there's some capital investment there yeah once you have the data loaded into your server. If no one's calling it with your streaming service, it doesn't really cost you that much more to store 10 gigs, does it?
2: I, mean, <laughs> I guess. In- but, I mean, Netflix I, does the same thing. Netflix rotates through yeah. uh, shows. You know, if they, But that's uh, due to licensing. That's due I to agree. licensing.
0: No, um,
1: but I think with Disney and with our attention economy, it's more like a thing they want to be seen in a certain way. And if they have too many bad uh, releases, um, <laughs> then you start to care less about them. And I think with Pixar, Pixar has suffered through this a lot. Maybe it is actually a Pixar we are talking about, Matt. I, I've heard that the recent Pixar movies are like not doing very well. And it's, it has to do sort of like with people not caring about the brand anymore. Because mm. like Pixar used to always have a new story. Wally is not part of the cinematic universe or something. Yeah. Or Up, not part of a cinema. It's a one-time story. And the reason why you want to watch it is because it's a Pixar movie. And you know, they have great stories. And as a parent, you can laugh as well, even though your kid does not get it. So it's kid-friendly. But parents sort of enjoyed as well. As and that was, used to be were... an
0: event. It used to be yes. an event. When a new Pixar movie came out, and it only happened like every two or three years, Yeah, you used to look forward. You used to anticipate this because you knew it would have quality. You knew it yeah. would be entertaining. You knew it would be good. Um, so you're saying that now they've gone to mass production, the quality has dwindled, and they've kind of tarnished the brand? Is, is that what you're saying?
1: This is where they're going, and I feel like uh, what? why would they pull it, even if it's only 10 gigs and it doesn't cost them anything? Because now the reputation hit they would get from too many people seeing it and starting to care less is higher. Huh. Because they won't care about the next one either. That's interesting. The one after that.
0: And I'm not a marketing guru by any chance. That's that's not my purview. But I would imagine once you've released the shit bomb, isn't it too late to? I mean, isn't it taking it off the service? Haven't you already tarnished the brand? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I honestly don't get it. That's that's interesting. That's intriguing. Yep. Um. But I'm I'm really glad to see this. Uh. I, I'm really happy that. Uh, private sector is allowed to do what private sector does, even if it means they're going to step on their own foot. I I think that's great. Uh, If if it ends up tanking Activision and Blizzard, great. I'm all for (laughs) it.
2: The marketplace of ideas will speak.
0: Exactly. And there'll be somebody else to come along to make a new, you know, game uh, album label, whatever you want to call it. But speaking of which, this takes me to my next current event, Steam is discontinuing support for windows 7 in about 135 days now why is this a thing the only games that i play via steam are the old games that i like from my younger days i like the uh, uh the, the the ones that were built for the xp and 98 platform or even the dos platform the old micro pros games sure and What what steam had done is they had created emulators or adaptations so that those old games could be played on modern systems now <laughs> Windows 7 is not a modern system I get that but I've never been able to afford a gaming laptop gaming laptop usually costs around 2000 whether that was in 1980 or whether it's in 2021. <laughs> um, so I love using my Windows 7 laptop, which I keep limping along, expressly for the purpose of playing these old 98 and XP games. Because the Windows 7 laptop is so overpowered for those old DOS-based games. Um, Steam taking that away is very sad to me. That, that's going to kind of end an era of when I had the ideal machine for playing those titles,
2: <laughs> but you've been around computers long enough to know uh, you, computers are always ephemeral. They, 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 they never last as long as you, you wish that they would. And it's time for you to just get a new laptop and and you can get a cheap laptop that will run all those old games just fine you don't need to have a gaming computer with a a high-end video card to play
0: and i'm actually recording this podcast on a windows 10 machine i mean i i do have modern equipment yeah it was just i was very comfortable with that one i knew you know everything was instinctive on where it was and how to use it and and that was easy to me, especially since the games have not changed. The games were from the 1980s and 1990s.
2: Um, you are exactly the end user that I, as an IT professional, loathe. I can because... understand that. I can totally understand that. <laughs> because you've got it set up the way you want it. You don't want anything to change. You just want to be able to do your, you know, the same thing you've always done. Well, no, that's not the nature of <laughs> what we do. <laughs> if,
0: if. If the job function, if the task, if the business operation doesn't change, then why should the technology or the interface? And and, and again, you know, I'm I'm at this weird crossroads of Luddite and the adopter, (laughs) you know, uh, 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 it's a strange thing. But if all I'm going to do is type some stuff into a word processor or play a game made in 1989, why should I have to change my interface?
1: I think with Steam, it's easier because Steam requires you to be online and Windows 7 has not been supported for so long. And it's it's actually like uh, basically what Steam is, is an Electron, like it's a web browser. It's based on the Electron engine as well in the background and stuff like that. So it's like it Microsoft does not update and support this version of Electron anymore um with windows 7 and they outgrown the platform where they have been built on so if you uh, if, if you just like disconnect that laptop from the internet all is well your, your games <laughs> will continue to work and you're not under any security risk but true because yeah, uh, well,
0: really the only reason you need that connection for an older game is to swap the certificate to say is this game still licensed yes it is okay we can play it Right. That's all you need. You know, you're talking about a very small number of packets, right, to make yeah. that authentication. Um, you really don't need any complexity. Now, if I was playing modern games where it was, you know, an MMORPG or something like that, then, yes, I can totally understand. Wanting to support an older system would be pointless. Um, but if I'm just going to play it individually you know that, that you're there's no reason that older systems shouldn't be able to do that
1: you know if you're into old games anyway then maybe consider GOG good I'm on there
0: too and GOG has, has done something similar where they want you to play the game through their portal yeah, as yeah. opposed to downloading and installing it on the local device both, but you, both, can. you can You and and I do with can. both Still
1: can. Yeah. yes great yeah. see you can keep your Windows 7 machine I don't see I, that this is news. <laughs> I just
0: found, well, I'm just well, i just wondering if when they end support, will it stop doing the authentication and will the local copy not run anymore? I don't know. I haven't read those terms of service.
1: Well, this may well, be another Steam opportunity already, already works in offline. You can, you yeah. don't have to go online.
2: I was going to say, just, just disconnect the network connection on the windows seven and see if you can still pop them open as long as you can. Then what are you worried about? Quit your bitching old man. Jeez. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I think every few weeks it has to call home to this continue is, okay. endorsing yeah. the thing. I think the key, I, I think the license key still has to be renewed every now and then.
2: We'll just virtualize that windows seven computer with all of the, <laughs>
0: I'm thinking of doing that. I'm thinking of doing that. And, and, you know, making it play like it's a windows 10 machine. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Um, Matt, did you have another current event? You had a few of them.
2: Uh Yeah, I had a few of them. Um, We, uh, I'll bring this one up really quickly. Uh, DuckDuckGo, the web browser or web search engine that is uh, competitor to the Googles and the Bing's of the world, uh, DuckDuckGo has now released its own web browser. Um, And maybe this is news or not news. Rafi shaking his head. Is this news or not news? I don't know. No, no, it it is. is, But I just don't care. It (laughs) was okay. It was news to me. Oh, it is news fine <laughs> well for me it was a big
0: deal as and you went, time... you went and installed it now now yeah. duck again thumbnail overview here was kind of uh preferred for a few years because it was uh marketed as being a non-tracking uh search engine that when you did searches with the DuckDuckGo search engine you weren't being promoted on certain things and you weren't being um uh monitored or surveilled in what you were searching for is that's correct.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was always the alternative because everybody knows that Google tracks the hell out of you. And, um, uh, feeds you ads based upon your browsing history, based on past things that you've looked at, things that you might be interested in, even things like your um, your Amazon lists and your, and your Facebook queue and stuff like that can all influence the way Google shows you things.
0: And it wasn't just Google. That was also Bing. It was yeah. also Firefox uh, yeah. as well. Um, but DuckDuckGo was supposed to be unique in that it did not monitor your behavior. Yep. Um, so now they came out with a browser and is it being marketed with the same characteristics where it's, yeah,
2: a... yeah, yeah. More or less. I haven't gone through all the marketing. I haven't gone through all the tutorials of, of things, but I did go ahead and download it and install it just to, and I made it my default browser just to see uh, what it would do. And it comes up with like a handy page that shows you all the trackers that it's blocked, uh, from all the websites that you've, you've gone to. So like, you know, if you want to see how many how many trackers that uh, Facebook tries to attach to you, uh, it's got a really nice, quick and easy way to see uh, if you try to open up Facebook or something like that on there. The the, the reason I brought it up, though, right now is because um, it actually delayed me getting on this podcast by about 10 minutes, because since I made it my default, it changed a bunch of my security settings and it wouldn't let me open up stinking Webex to record a podcast. And I was clicking through all these security certificates and, and I finally had to just bypass it all, go back to Chrome and uh, go through the web interface because my Webex is now hopelessly broken because of uh, Duck DuckDuckGo's web browser. Uh, but... Had you used it for non-Webex
0: activity prior? Had you yeah, taken yeah. it for some test runs?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been using it for probably about five or six days now uh, for, for normal browsing. So yeah, I, I still use Firefox for I, I have this is me personally, I'm not recommending this, but I have certain websites that I will only go to in Firefox. I've got certain websites I will only go to in Chrome. And now that I've got DuckDuckGo, I've got um, uh, other websites that I'm that I'm testing out to see how they they act with those. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of running it through the, you know, the Reddit and the Discord and the uh uh, just uh, other stuff, just seeing how it, how it acts. But yeah, WebEx <laughs> <laughs> screwed me on that one.
1: <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. So maybe a couple things. things. Um, I just uh, looked it up June 2023. So fairly recent, fairly current, I'd say it was the beta release for the Windows. It has been on Mac for a while, and I know it has been on the phones for quite some while. And another interesting tidbit is it's WebKit-based. Um, so it's the same rendering engine as Safari is. Safari still uses WebKit. Chrome moved away from WebKit. It's a fork of WebKit, but it's it's Blink, called Blink. It's the rendering engine for Chromium-based browsers, which of course, Opera, Brave, and um, Edge are Chromium-based as well. So they all use Blink. And of course, um, uh, Firefox uses Gecko, um, which is their own thing. Uh, I recently tried to use Falcon, which is developed by KDE, which is a different rendering en- uh, engine. But basically, I think WebKit, Blink, and Gecko are the three last um, rendering engines for for the open web, just if you're curious. Um, so it's, it's cool you use all three of them. Yeah. And they do uh, the same thing as you, like, have different <laughs> browsers for different stuff. I hate to admit this,
0: I do the same thing, too. I, 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 <laughs> wow. I have a primary and then I have, you know, an extra backup build of both Chrome and Firefox ready to go if I if I need to switch over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe then a recommendation. I So I already said I have four browsers installed. Maybe I already recommended this, but Chromium based browsers usually allow you to, um, quote unquote, install the the web page as an progressive web app. And so you have it in your taskbar as well. It opens up without the border and stuff like that. So if you have your email, if you use it through the through the browser installing, it actually makes it prettier, I'd say. And you don't have to open the browser every time you can just open the email. And so it happens
0: and, and we haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, my primary right now is Brave and and yeah. there are certain elements of brave i'm not a big fan of but the but for the most part for just pick and shovel everyday work i happen to really like brave
1: yeah and you can disable most of the stuff you don't like right? I, and like, i have
2: yeah <laughs> My my only experience with Brave was uh, a a client that had a user that installed it and was running a crypto miner on it. So my experience with Brave has been very (laughs) unfortunate so far. So maybe it's time (laughs) for me to reevaluate it because I had a pretty bad experience with it after that. Um,
0: Now, to me, it sounds, Rafty, like you would approve of DuckDuckGo's intentions because it seems to be doing a lot of the same things that kind of Portmaster are helping with where it's it's pointing <laughs> out the cookies and the tracking mechanisms and it's it's blocking those things is that is that something kind of that echoes your your life's work too
1: absolutely i mean the the thing is what i said prior to us recording the show is everybody and their dog now has a browser Molvet released their browser as well that is based on on the tor project and stuff like that. It's uh, just forking a browser and calling it your own. I think is a little bit too little. Um, what I like about um, the Dr. Go one is that they had a, a browser extension for quite some time now. And what I also like is that they use WebKit um, because Chromium, like the Blink engine, is so it's everywhere. And I think that we lose something from the open web the more browsers just copy Chrome, you know. So, Rafty,
0: um, would you say that there's enough diversity of browsers out there that if the FTC was to try to prevent EA from buying Mozilla, you would say, "Yeah, let them buy it. It's okay. There's enough other browsers.
1: No, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> okay.
0: right.
1: a tricky question. I mean, the okay. Gecko engine is open source. Maybe some other project will pick it up then. Okay. um right. but yeah
0: um uh the, my final comment on the whole duckduckgo thing is i found it highly ironic that about 18 months ago the president of duckduckgo uh publicly stated that they would tailor responses to certain search terms dealing with the russian ukrainian war mm-hmm. And that kind of upset the community that was using DuckDuckGo as a search tool. Rofty, why why would that be an issue?
1: <laughs> because you don't know what you don't know um and uh, every time you use a web search it's because you are searching for something and if somebody is doing pre-filtering for you I mean they all do and you always have to be aware of that but it's just like it's it's shaping your thoughts it's shaping your your opinions of stuff because you don't see what you what they just hide from you um and and
0: it's kind of an anathema to the whole point of having a browser that doesn't track you yeah. Is is, you know, on the one hand, if you have privacy in reaching out, you should have anonymity in getting results back. Once once they start filtering responses, then it's it's kind of pointless that you get to ask for what you want to ask if you're still gonna just be fed porridge every time, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is why what I like about Brave as well, they have their own search engine. DuckTech Go, I think, is a Bing front end. They used to be Yandex, but I think it's Bing now. Um uh, but brave actually builds their own knowledge graph um which i f- find good I've, i like as i said you don't know what you don't know and so um having more different um kind of like knowledge graphs out there um and with with brave as well as with DuckDuckGo, you can do those banks um if you put an g um and then um i don't know
0: yeah yeah i, I- I don't have it right here in front of me, but I've been I've been experimenting with another browser that um, promises to not tailor responses based on either promotion or on. Vivaldi uh, It may be it may be that one. Yeah. yeah
1: uh, Vivaldi
0: I think there's another one that starts with M. Mulvad. Which one? Mulvad. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh, it's based from on the Tor project, and they are a uh, privacy focused VPN company based in Sweden. Yeah, Mule is is not bad as well, but again, it's rebadging of an of a different browser. Same like with the DuckDuckGo thing.
0: But at least it's really interesting on the fact that they don't have a tool that promotes or demotes certain categories. So at least I get different results. I get new results than if I had used my common browsers, and I find that interesting. It's not always as helpful. I got to admit, Google is still the best for finding the thing that I want to find in a moment's notice. But on the other hand, I do know that what I'm being shown is shaped for me. And sometimes I want the raw stuff.
1: This changes over time. If you use it to go for long enough, the, the way your phrase searches changes and then if you apply the same thing to Google, it's better, worse. Uh, and I remember it, like it's an exclamation mark. So G exclamation mark uh, in DuckDuckGo will put this, the thing you put into their search bar and puts it into a Google search. So this makes it easy. If you don't use it yet, um, it makes using DuckDuckGo as your default search engine easier because if you don't find it, you just go up into the search bar, hit a G exclamation mark at the end of it, and it, it turns into a Google search. It actually. Huh. Uh, puts it into a proper Google window. It's not masked or anything. You're on proper Google um, at that point, and you can do the same thing in the Brave search thing. If you put D exclamation mark, you do you, it uh, forwards it to a DuckDuckGo page. And so my thing is, I'm in Brave search, and if I don't like it, I go to put a D exclamation, go to DuckDuckGo. If I don't like it, I do do a G exclamation, go to Google. So Interesting. This is sort that's, of like the that's very useful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Learning new stuff. Matt, did you have another current event?
2: I don't remember. Did I, I, I posted a list in Discord. I don't have it up in front of me. I don't think I had anything else. Maybe. Um, oh, uh, BCDR. Okay. Uh, th- th- that was the last thing I was going to bring up was just um, weather, climate change, and business continuity and disaster recovery. Because let me tell you, this has been a crazy summer in central Kentucky for weather. Central Kentucky doesn't usually get terrible weather. We're we're not a coastal city. Baseball
0: sized hail, right? Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) That's unheard of here. (laughs) And then back in March, uh, that's what damaged my roof on my house uh, was the uh, hurricane force winds from a windstorm. It wasn't even a thunderstorm or rain or anything. It was just wind, Uh, ripped a bunch of my roof off and a bunch of my neighbor's roofs off as well. So, anyways, all I'd say, if you're not already aware, Uh, we're in some weird times with climate and, uh, I'm not attributing it to, uh, man-made or natural forces or anything like that. I'm not getting into that discussion, but things are happening. My Yankee
0: forebears would say this is punishment for not having snow for so long. (laughs) It all just kind of, it kind of (laughs) builds up and then you get baseball side (laughs) sail.
2: Yep. So uh, what we're seeing with a lot of our companies uh, that we have as clients now is a lot more focus on BCDR because they're realizing that a disaster recovery plan doesn't necessarily have to be for a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake or an act of terrorism. You can just have the power knocked out in your, your quadrant of the city for a week and all of a sudden you're scrambling because you're not able to do anything.
0: And it doesn't really matter what the origin of the loss of the power was, yep. whether it was a terrorist bomb or whether it was baseball sized hail. Yeah. Your problem is you need power, regardless of why the power's out, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And even if you have power in your office, you may not have internet because the internet company may be
0: without may power. power. Right? Yes. <laughs>
2: so we've been seeing all that kind of stuff. So we've been uh, reapproaching and, and rejiggering some some BCDR uh, emergency plans, you know, and things like that for some some of our clients because they're realizing it's not just the big once in one hundred year type things. Now now we're starting to see more and more regular occurrences where you might be without power for or without the internet for a few hours to uh, a week or more.
0: And, and yeah. it's funny because I, I think the infrastructure uh, has become more robust, but less flexible. And the problem with that is if you go outside the normal operating range in any direction, um, no matter how robust it is, it goes down uh, or you can't utilize it. Uh, whereas I think some of the providers are starting to add more flexibility and move away from the rigidity. Um uh, what are some of the suggestions that you would have for a disaster agnostic BCDR <laughs> plan? Well,
2: of course, the big one is always uh, redundant power in whatever form. So obviously you get your power from the power company, but if you can at all afford it, get a generator, ideally a whole building generator, something that runs on diesel or some other uh, other fuel source, so that you have at least a way to, if you can't run your entire office, at least get your your IT infrastructure and your, your critical uh, systems back online. Um, the other thing is redundant internet, uh, we're seeing a lot of more interest now for companies to have more than one internet provider. Typically you would always get uh, back in the good old days. You would say you'd have a T1 or you'd have a a DSL line, or you'd have a cable modem or something along those lines. Nowadays, people are wanting multiple internet connections from multiple providers. So they might.
0: Okay. Okay. But Matt, realistically in the U S in a metropolitan setting, you can have multiple ISPs, but what's the catch?
2: (laughs) But they all have the same backbone
0: <laughs> exactly they're all running on the same physical plant yeah. so how, do you, how do you add redundancy for that if
2: you do you, um we do have locations where we have a sole internet provider for the entire county in franklin county kentucky where frankfort uh, is i'm looking squarely at you they have a monopoly on their isp right there uh, frankfort plant board uh, the bane of my existence um, they are the only internet provider for the entire county so, how and do you got, add redundancy? So, I got a client there that is there. And so what we do is we install a router that has a cellular backup. So it can kick into a cell phone service. Obviously, it's not the greatest. It's dependent upon the cell service being running as well. It's not as fast, but it's something. And sometimes it's all and, you need.
0: And that's what you just do for the critical path. You don't expect yeah. everybody to be up and running when you right. go back to when you go when you go into a business continuity situation, it's not for the marketing department it's for the critical path that keeps your business going whatever that business is right
2: right right, right. yeah because uh, have we're, you yeah. considered
0: have you considered any of the satellite uplink stuff as well um
2: we're um it's becoming more viable uh the okay. starlink is is coming down in price Ooh, now
0: and i love starlink too that that looks like talk about flexibility that's about as flexible as you can
2: get right okay elon calm down. <laughs> but yeah, Musk you can get sent. <laughs> yeah, you can get Starlink now from Best Buy, which is, you know, major retailer of electronics. And so like you can, and you know, obviously, all these uh, incur more cost, but um, and, and more complexity to implement them. But it's something that you can have as a backup. So yeah, uh, that's something that I haven't had any clients specifically ask for. And I haven't proposed it. But it's, it's something that we probably in the next 12 to 18 months, we'll probably see our first deployment of that as a backup system.
0: And, and again, this is not something I would recommend for anyone to do outside of residential use for their primary ISP, uh, unless you're living in a you know wildly rural environment and there's no other option. Um, uh, but as a BCDR function for limited capacity, that might be something viable as well. Yeah, yeah. Re- um, recognizing its limitations.
2: yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Cost and speed are always factors and all that stuff. But um, yeah. Uh, so so that's what we're seeing is, uh, um, you know, the the joke back, you know, 10 years ago was always, well, you know, if the if the building goes up in flames and we've got bigger problems to worry about than restoring our data. Well, uh, but you, you, the, the, there are other things to consider of just normal day to day outages that uh, that can cause pretty big disruptions. So,
0: yeah. And, and realistically, if your city goes down. Uh, in terms of power, none of your vendors or customers are going to anticipate that you maintain operations. That that's mm-hmm. an that's an untoward expectation, and and everyone's pretty understanding. But it's also worth knowing that one, one of the rules of BCDR is you never get the disaster you planned for.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so you always have to have something that is disaster agnostic that does give you that flexibility and that resilience. Cloud, as much as I don't like some of the aspects of cloud, it's great for BCDR purposes. It's a great way to uh, distribute your data and operations across wide geographic areas. Um, I I, want to say also that as with all things, and as we talked about earlier in the episode, health and human safety is paramount. If there's a disaster that takes out the Internet at your office building, you don't need a backup because your people shouldn't be coming to your office building.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Keep the people away. Find a way for you to continue business without putting people in danger. That is first and foremost, right?
2: Yep. Always.
0: Yeah. Um. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, any other recommendations or tips or tricks that you picked up just in your last couple of weeks of scrambling? Oh, god. You, you do look good. You <laughs> look like you lost a little weight. You're... <laughs> You're a little more pale because it looks like you've been indoors a
1: lot. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. <laughs> I've got a new a new step tracker on my phone. And uh, yeah, I'm only getting like 800 steps a day because I'm barely getting away from my computer. Um, no, I think that's that's one uh, that, that's big. And uh, the, the big stuff is just the redundant power, redundant Internet. And then. Um, Yeah, fail safes on 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 stuff so that if it does go down, uh, make sure it it doesn't shut stuff up Yeah, -hmm. stuff on fire, you know, things like that.
0: I'll add one more for power. Um, It's always important. You you understand that there's limited fuel capacity on site, and that's good because you don't want to have too much fuel. Fuel goes bad after a while, and it's a huge flammable risk. Um, But you want to make sure that your contract with your fuel supplier has in it a clause that as soon as your generator activates, your refuel is on the way. <laughs> when that generator turns on, it's going to be hungry and it's going to keep sucking fuel. And usually we only have 12 hour um, store of fuel on site. You want to have those trucks moving before those tanks run out of juice. That's yep. that's yep. really important.
2: And you want to make sure that you're number one on the list for the delivery? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. everybody else is going to be getting it. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll
0: share a quick antidote. A anecdote that one of my students shared with me a few years back and I love this one. Um, there was a municipality that created a law. I forget if it was the county or the city and the law was if there is a utility outage, all fuel must first go to um, first response activities hospitals trauma centers police fire and so forth this made sense and i think we all agree that's okay when we're doing triage that you know health and human safety first and foremost which meant that my students company could not get fuel for a certain delay they were in a property adjacent to a hospital (laughs) and they went over to the hospital and they said how about we make a deal We'll pay for all your fuel during a disaster. If you let us hook up a hose to that truck when it shows up and fill our generator with just the pittance, we need to keep our generator. (laughs) going. Hospital said, we're all for it. There you go. Now. Does this violate the spirit of the law? Is it unethical or immoral? I'm not sure. I think the fact that the hospital now doesn't have to worry about the extra added cost of fuel and therefore can promote health and human safety. I think that obviates any of the curse of being put higher on the list for the response activity. The Mm. the truck was coming to the property anyway. Right. Why not have them absolve them of that? I I, kind of like that. I kind of like that. That doesn't strike me as the immorality that that I would otherwise have in a in a kind of similar situation, you know?
2: But it does have a little bit of a Mad Max feel to it where everybody's bartering with everybody else for <laughs> <laughs> for things that they want.
0: <laughs> Two days ago I saw a truck that could haul that tanker. You run out of here. You talk to me.
2: Uh,
0: all right. Rafti, do you know who Mad Max is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Never seen it, but I i think i've i've seen posters of the movies there has been in a fairly recent one in the last decade i think that,
0: that was a reboot and it was actually yeah, pretty good yeah. i i was very impressed with that
1: one didn't so, see that either but maybe a media review can be something like that for a future episode no possibly, i have no clue. okay okay possibly, <laughs> possibly
0: i don't
1: know As this, right i've never seen it <laughs>
0: He needs an excuse to watch a movie. All right. Uh, well, I think we've gone long on this episode, but uh, um, thank you all uh, for coming back. I, again, I want to do another shout out to the Kinders, Paul and Casey. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to all our listeners for sticking with us.
2: Yeah. And you were on another podcast uh, just recently as well, Ben.
0: I was. I Oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. You're going to have to edit this part here, man.
2: <laughs> Austin Dennis. Is that his name?
0: Yeah, I know the kid's name. I don't know the name of the podcast. Hang on. Just, oh,
1: okay.
2: Um, shoot. And the reason I bring it up is because I listened to it, and I was very pleased to hear a shout-out or a a name drop of my own name on <laughs> on that podcast. And I was like, oh, Ben thought of me.
0: <laughs> I, I try to promote you as much as possible because I know you don't have enough work, and you're not busy <laughs> enough. It's the charity I do for you. That's, that's... <laughs> well,
2: thank you. You're <laughs>
0: yes. I was I was on the full send cyber podcast um, with uh, Austin Dennis. Uh, it was only their fourth episode of their show, uh, and I, I listened to uh, the previous episode of them, and it's a great show. Um, they're really, uh, interesting kids. I think, um, we're going to have them on as guests in a couple of weeks. So cool. uh, that'll be worthwhile. And, uh, I got to talk about wannabea and they got to, uh, talk to me about how great my test prep material is, which, you know, I always like hearing the truth spread far and wide. <laughs> uh, and if you want to yeah. look for that, I'll put a link to that one in our show notes too.
2: Cool. Right. Yeah, but I thought you did good. I thought it came off very well and, and he was he, he seemed to really appreciate the the material that you had provided for uh, his his test prep. So, so that's a a, a big attaboy boy for you. Hey, he passed the test. I think the yeah. podcast would have been a lot different
0: if he yeah. had, had less successful results.
2: <laughs> yeah, assuredly. Those,
0: those are the shows I don't go on. Yeah. You know, I get invited to and I, I don't want to talk to them. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, until next week, I'm Ben Malliso. And I'm Matt Snotty.
1: And I'm Raphael Fiedler.
0: Join us again for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec.
2: Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel Wannabea CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the infosec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster. Downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash s s o i underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific Infosec situation you may experience.